Hey y'all, it's Kate Gunning, host of the CMO Show with Kate Gunning. That's me. And on today's episode, we've got a special treat. It's the CMO of the CMO Show. It's Elijah May, and he commuted all the way from the green room next door to sit down and have a chat. Enjoy. Hey, it's Kate Gunning. You're watching and listening to The CMO Show with Kate Gunning. And today I'm super jazzed because I get to interview my friend and colleague, Elijah May. He is the producer and CMO, you heard me right, of The CMO Show. <laughs> Hi, Elijah. Hi, Kate. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. This is kind of funny, I have to admit. Having you here on set on this side of the camera instead of on the other I side. I know. It's a little weird. Yeah. Usually Elijah's spying on me in the green room around yeah. the corner with our director. And so now. Well, our director can be on the show that he produces. <laughs> That's so <I> true. <laughs> That's true. We figured we would put Elijah in the hot seat today. So really happy to have you here with us. Thank you. Why don't you tell everybody why you thought it'd be a fun idea to be the CMO of the CMO show. <laughs> Let's get your perspective on this for a second. I'm worried about, because so <laughs> when you sat down with Michael, who's our CEO, so she, Michael officially has agreed to be CEO of Team CMO. Hi, Michael. But when you interviewed Michael. She Michael was, was the CMO. Of the CMO <laughs> show. This is just going to be like a, like a who's on first kind of gag, it right? It's fine. It is what it is. Musical CMO. You know you can't see Michael. She's in the studio right now. We can't see Michael? No. Oh, yes, no, we we know she's there. <laughs> she's aware. listening to you guys, okay? Oh, yeah, we know. All right. Our, our producer telling us <laughs> not talk about Michael. Does she hear us? Okay, yeah. um, so musical CMO chairs, let's share with everyone. Right, okay. So Michael, for all intents and purposes, got promoted because we all collectively agreed that she'd be the best person to lead the organization. Yes. So Team CMO is the organization, and, and obviously Team CMO produces the CMO show which we are on. Here we are. And uh, so I've agreed to be CMO of Team CMO. And so my job is, of course, to go out and make sure we have the right sponsors for the show, figure out how everything fits together. And of course, you know, continue to bring new great CMOs on the show. Yeah, that's good. Have to say, Michael seems to have this pattern of being in marketing and then being promoted to CEO. Leadership. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Check out the episode we did with Michael if you don't know what I'm talking about, which will tell you all about that story. So... Good job, Michael. Congrats on the fastest promo ever. <laughs> that was quick. <laughs> wow. Okay, so you're CMO of Team CMO, and I know why you wanted to start the organization, but our listeners might not. So can you share with everyone what the vision is for Team Sure, CMO? absolutely. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know, we've all been CMOs. Every one of us has right. done the job, everyone on the team, um, including yourself, obviously myself, uh, Michael. Uh, and Liz Lathan, uh, who was CMO of, of Hot. And, you know, we realized that there's this, we all know that CMO turnover is crazy high. It's one of the questions we ask on the show. Yeah, I'm going to ask it of yeah. you in a minute here. And, uh, <laughs> and I think one of the reasons, so I've had since in the last six months or so, of uh, four different, like, large organizations and a city call me asking for help finding a CMO. Mm -hmm. And... And what happens to me frequently is that my recruiter friends, who I love very much, when they get a CMO placement, they call me and ask for a referral. And I'm like, well, they don't know the difference, right? They don't know yeah. what 
a good CMO is or the difference between you and me and Michael and Liz. They don't understand mm -hmm. the unique superpowers and the things that make somebody a good fit for one organization as opposed to another one. So the idea of focusing specifically on placing the right CMO in the right organization was something that was really, really compelling. Going in there, doing the same work that we do a lot of anyway, right? We all have gone in as consultants and you spend 90 days trying to get everything spun up and up to speed. So we thought, let's just go ahead and do what we've all done anyway, mm -hmm. and then make sure that we put the CMO into that role, into that company to be successful. At that point, we're the best qualified people to put that person in that job. Mm -hmm. So if you're just learning about Team CMO, you can think of as kind of like a matchmaking. That's exactly right. Right? Matchmaking service. Yes. And so how about we talk about turnover next then? Sure. Because it's a nice little segue. So there's a lot of thoughts about why turnover is really high. Being mismatched is one of the theories. What's your take? So I agree that being mismatched is a big piece of CMO turnover. Um, but I think that mismatch comes directly from people hiring for the job, not knowing what they need to know to hire for the job. And this is true of a lot of types of placements where, you know, an HR person goes out. Not, usually if I'm speaking at a conference, I'll ask who's an HR person and ask them to do earmuffs for this part. So <laughs> HR people quite often are, are assigned to hire somebody without knowing anything about that particular role. They may yeah. know everything about HR, but they don't know the first thing about being a full stack developer, right? Mm -hmm. So all they can do is go find a checklist of things a full stack developer is supposed to know. And then they can ask people. They don't know. The answers aren't don't actually tell them whether or not that person knows what they're talking about. They're just going off who kind of sounds good. Now, yes, if you've got a CTO, that person's going to come in and they're going to do that, that vetting. Mm -hmm. But in a lot of organizations, if you're hiring for that top role, there's no one there to vet them. Yep. That's a big problem. So you're suggesting that understanding more precisely about the nuances of a role could help. Yeah. I think basically there are, there are four primary things. So one is we're going to come in and do a market assessment, right? Like what, what is the actual market opportunity here? We're going to do a culture assessment, right? And we're going to do a team assessment, which sound a lot, but they're sound similar, but they're different. One is how does this company function? Like what is the interpersonal dynamics of this organization? Yeah. Because not everybody fits in every organization, regardless of their skills. And then the other one is, you know, what is the current team comp composition, right? Like, so the type of person who's going to fit in this role, I've seen companies where basically the COO is also the CMO and that's weird, yeah. right? So, <laughs> so, you know, trying to make sure that we've got understanding what the team dynamic is, mm -hmm. because in a lot of cases, you know, we've all seen these sort of nebulous titles Yes. where if you ask somebody inside the company, they'll be like, well, they do like all these different things, right? Yeah. So we need to come in and understand what's going on with that organization, what the market opportunity is, what the culture of the organization is, what the team composition is, and then ultimately what you're doing currently and whether or not that makes any sense. And you're suggesting that it's probably just as much about the person and understanding them as a CMO as it is understanding the dynamics of the leadership team and sort of how each of the representatives operate. Oh, absolutely. holistically about the whole thing yeah. rather than just the role that you're hiring for. Right. The, the dynamics between the players in the C-suite is obviously critical. Mm. Um, you know, we know a lot of times it's just good CMOs have not lasted in the role because they just don't jive with the CEO. 
and the CEO might meet someone else. You, like you said, like dating, right? They meet someone else out and about and they have a conversation and they feel like, oh, you're my new soulmate, right? You're my marketing <laughs> soulmate. You get me, right? My yeah. current CMO is telling me things I don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. I think I'd rather go out with you. And so, yeah, fine. Turnover. Mm-hmm. I think that embracing that's really important and having very transparent chats about it is very important because it shouldn't feel bad when things are not a match and it should feel really good when when it is right like yes that's a gift getting really lucky to find a good match right like it's it's not very easy yeah I think Um, especially when we're elevated to the top right like there's only so many roles for leading marketing right one per org yeah, the, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. There's, the the role is challenging. Mm-hmm. There's enough built-in drama. You yeah. don't need interpersonal drama on top of that. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. Okay, so Team CMO will be a resource mm-hmm. for all CMOs, aspiring CMOs, people who work in the marketing field, and... We're going to start with a focus on finding the right matches, right? And offering tools to people online for various topics. And we're going to build from there. Yes. Right? As I was talking, Chris Aarons is an upcoming guest on the show. We've talked about it. Mm -hmm. He teaches marketing at McCombs. Yes. And, you know, I asked Chris, I said, I want to make sure that we have the best sort of vetted vendor list. If you are a CMO and you're stuck, I want to... I want you to be able to just sort of have a concierge, yeah. <laughs> call the back phone. <laughs> CMO concierge yeah. at your service. <laughs> and <laughs> we'll send you somebody who can do the work because the other thing is, you know, you can Google somebody. That means they're good at SEO. It <laughs> doesn't necessarily mean they're great at the job. Yeah, and good he, point. Yeah. And he said, I couldn't tell you who's best at this, but I could tell you who to never hire in town, right? That's really important yeah. information that doesn't always make the rounds. Mm-hmm. And so making sure that people know that they can call us, we will have vetted the talent in every category that they need to fill. Yeah. Um, if you need to make a move quickly and we often need to make moves quickly. Yeah, that's right. I'm more and more like the more we have these conversations and the more guests we have on the show and stuff, I feel like having like thinking about building marketing teams, like casting. I love that you use that term. I've started using it. You have? Yes. It's just come to me in the last two weeks or so, but I'm like, God, that's like innately what, we've been doing Mm -hmm. but thinking about it more specifically like that because there are so many like to use the analogy tons of actors Mm -hmm. but not all of them have the right accent or the right right like sensibility or swag or whatever like so thinking about building teams like casting a show I think is it's, it's a good it's a good way to think about it I agree I like that analogy a lot partly because I thought of us because I started my career in Hollywood for one, but also because I I like to think of us more as a talent agency than as a recruitment firm. Yeah. Right. Um, You know, I listed something somewhere that we're a recruitment firm. So now I'm getting all of those, all that inbound spam. Mm. And it's really clear the way that the, the industry kind of, kind of behaves. Right. Um, I'm really surprised that more people who are in the talent placement business don't focus on making sure that they have the best talent. Mm. And that's exactly how it works in, in Hollywood. So, um, and then casting, as you said, so much of casting depends on on chemistry. Yes, yes, yes. Especially digital chemistry. Now yep. that mm, we're not always together. 
Yes. Can you share every, with everybody what you did in Hollywood, just because it's interesting? <laughs> yeah. Um, and related to our bit, analogy. Yeah, a little, a little <laughs> bit of a dumb luck, but um, like one one week out of school, I got offered a job as the liaison between USC and the, and the film studio. So for, for eight years, my job was to coordinate with the studios anything you needed, whether it was a commercial or a TV show uh, or a you know, feature film. Um, a lot of them would come to campus. So most people who think that they've seen Harvard, the movie have seen USC or UCLA, usually <laughs> USC, uh, cause you're not really flying it. You're not going out to Harvard. You're going to stay in the zone, right? Um, no one knows what that means, but Chris does. So <laughs> you're going to stay local because that's where your cast and your crew are. And you're going to go to what we have these campuses that were built by these, you know, designed by these architects with this old sort of, you know, back East aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we, <laughs> At some point, we put the the name Harvard up on our main administration building so many times. I'm like, we should just keep that. We should just like <laughs> put it off to the side. I bet the USC students just love that. Yeah, it, it is kind of fun when you see your campus in a, in a show. Um, and it was a really crazy to be able to to sit at the intersection. Like, if they needed students to be in a show, if they wanted to use the, the USC brand in a show, um, or if they wanted to come and film on campus, it was a lot of fun to get to coordinate that. And how do you think that experience has driven your desire now to help people in this way, right? Like one of the things we talk a lot about on the show is how you grew up, things you did in the beginning of your career and how those shape us and impact what we offer, what makes us special. And I just think it's really interesting that you – started in that way, exposed a lot to a campus where people are learning and, and now you're trying to build a way for CMOs to come together and learn and find the, the cat, the right casting. So, you know, I was just thinking about this. Um, I think the correlation is actually stronger than I originally realized. And it comes down, it came down to a couple of very specific things. One is I had the world's most amazing boss and I didn't even I didn't, it was my first boss. So I didn't know that some bosses aren't awesome. Uh, I thought, man, having a boss is great. Why doesn't everyone love it? Uh, bosses are awesome. Yeah. She was incredible and she still is. So Tori Daves uh, hired me for that role and she knew that I was going to make mistakes and she accepted that I was going to make mistakes. And she called me on the carpet when I did, but like she was so supportive and so like, she always, always, always had my back. Mm-hmm. And as long as I was making a decision with the right motivation, which I'd like to think that I was, um, all of the time, she, uh, she would say, listen, you know, like maybe let's not make that decision in the future, mm-hmm. but, um, but I, I fully support, I understand why you made that decision and I support that decision. So I think I'll for the rest of my life. I will aspire to be as good of a leader as, as she is. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still working on it. And then two, you know, we're in this really unique role where the industry, the film industry moves at a, a breakneck pace. It's it's almost impossible to describe to somebody who hasn't worked in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you'll build a, a, an entire house and then film in it and make it go away like it was never there in, in, a, in a week. Most people would, you know, in a week, they would start to put together the general outline of the house. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, the things that we got accomplished in short amounts of time informed me for the rest of my life mm-hmm. on what is possible and what you can get done if you believe that you can get it done and you have the right team to do it. Um, so a university just, you know, not a knock on USC, but universities in general move at a glacial pace, right? They are just <laughs> yeah. not, they're not out there moving and grooving. They're just kind of like going along. They've been yeah. around for a really long time. And so trying to get 
those two organizations to work in lockstep for any amount of time for a day or for a week or, you know, in a crazy case, like a couple of weeks was a real challenge. You'd have mm-hmm. to like really pull one kicking and screaming forward and get the other yeah. one to kickies and kicking and screaming to slow down a little bit. So we could just get <laughs> them to move together for like yes. a minute. Um, and that was a crazy challenge. And it, you know, I think that you learn the most about yourself in really stressful situations. Um, so when I started hiring full time, we grew that department quite a lot. When I started hiring full time, I told everybody the same thing. I said, your job is to make all the people happy all the time. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. Now go do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And if they looked at me like I was absolutely crazy, I'm like, this is not the right role for you. Like I, the first few people that I hired were absolutely the most amazing people you've ever seen on paper. And in fact, they both have had incredible careers, but they're like, this job is too stressful. Yeah. And then I finally you know, brought in somebody who had almost no relevant experience, but wrote on her cover letter, I work in a gift shop. And really my only job is to make sure that everybody's happy because the owner doesn't like dealing with unhappy people. <laughs> That's Dude, the one. She crushed it. I she bet. lasted in that job. The first two were out in like six months. And I think she was there for like seven years. Oh, wow. Long after I left, she, she took over the role. So, um, People who can think, who can hold those two thoughts in their mind, like I need you to make everybody happy all the time, accept that you can't and just keep doing whatever you can do. Yes. Marketing's pretty much exactly like that. <laughs> yeah, it is. Wow, that's wild. Okay, so we are normalizing things on this show that we think need to be normalized. And what I'm hearing from you is that maybe... When we're interviewing people, we should start asking them what they did before they were in marketing. Absolutely. Because maybe we could learn a lot about them that way. Not everybody thinks to write notes like that on their applications. So I think that's a good thing to add to our interview repertoire. I had to go around HR to hire her. Yeah. Like she's not qualified. I said, I don't Well, yeah, that's, I've heard a lot of stories about people getting in like arguments with Mm -hmm. HR or their executive team because they can't hire the person that they feel like is really right for the role, but they don't have the right resume criteria or degree or whatever. So good on you for being, being uh, courageous, (laughs) shall we say? Thanks. Yeah. So tell me who do you admire most in marketing? Um, who I admire most. I think that, the, per, the marketer who's had sort of the biggest impression on me, um, he wrote a book, John Spolster wrote a book called Marketing Outrageously. Mm-hmm. And I read that book and I had like two back-to-back thoughts. So when I first read that book, it was around 2009. It's been a minute. And I read the book and I thought, oh my God, everybody should read this book. Like all of the secrets are in this book. Mm-hmm. And then my next thought was like, oh my God, I hope nobody else ever <laughs> reads this book. <laughs> and... um a few years ago, John was coming to Austin to give a talk about the book. Mm-hmm. And um, I had reached out because it's not on Audible. And I asked if I could design, do an infographic of the book. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, 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 no problem. And so I had made an infographic of the book and I took it and I gave it to the organizers. I'm like, I don't even think he remembers that I asked him mm-hmm. this, but we made this infographic, like, you know, highlighting like all the best points in the book. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you guys want to give it to him? Be pretty <laughs> cool. Right? Like, you know, what is he? and they're like, why don't you just give it to him? Mm-hmm. I'm like, you mean like, they're like, yeah, well, just go up on stage. You're like me? After, yeah, he's going to give a talk <laughs> and then you can go up on stage and give him, uh, give him this, uh, 
this gift in. So we, John's got, actually, do I have, oh yeah, there it is, Marketing Outrageously. So he talks a lot about rubber chickens in the book and that simple idea, <laughs> like the idea. So we need uh, to get a rubber chicken for our wall. I have one. I meant to bring it. Let's do um, that. Okay. So we definitely don't have time for all this, but I'm going to give you the short version. <laughs> he took over as president of, I think the Portland trailblazers. He was president of a bunch of sports teams and he has the highest uh, marketing results of anybody in the history of sports. I mean, it's really crazy, right? Um, he, they had sent eight letters to their season ticket holders asking them to renew. And they're like, sorry, we're just not into it. And he said, I want to try one more thing. And he sent all of their season ticket holders who had not renewed a tube with a rubber chicken in it. And it had a little, <laughs> a little jersey on it. It said, don't foul out. That's and it said, amazing. we're having a lot of fun and you're missing it. And it cost them something like two or three times a typical mailing because it was a tube instead of a letter. Mm-hmm. But if you get a tube in the mail, what are you going to do? You're going to open it. it. It's got a rubber chicken in it, right? So (laughs) he spent a massive amount of money on it. I mean, basically, he's like, this is going to make or break me. I'm either going to get fired right away or this is going to work. And it worked. And I think they got well over a million in season ticket renewals. Wow. um, Sending the exact same target market something better, right? Mm -hmm. So like that simple idea has informed my philosophy of marketing maybe more than anything. I love that. That's really good. And I think it's a good reminder that we don't always have to reinvent the wheel. There's an audience that was available to him and he used it. Yeah. I mean, granted, he had used the rubber chicken thing once before. Um, and when we gave him the the poster, I gave it to him in a jet tube with a rubber chicken inside. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then we went and sat backstage and, and drank whiskey. And it's, it's a highlight of my, of my career. That's cool. But the, the idea that, I mean, it all comes down to value proposition. We all know that, right? Mm-hmm. Like these are the people we're trying to do business with. That's part of why we created the show. Yeah. These are the people we want to do business with. What can we do for them that would make their lives better in some way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So we're trying to make your lives better, y'all. Hear that? CMO of the CMO show. <laughs> Let us know if you think we yeah. are. We would love to hear. I think one of the things, honestly, though, like all kidding aside, what I think is cool about the infographic is what an interesting way for the author of that book to understand how someone who's reading the book is interpreting his words. Like that's, that's so cool. Cause he obviously had his own intentions when he wrote it, but then unaided just kind of capturing that from you and using that as an opportunity to understand how, what he, his words were interpreted. Yeah. And like that's like a, that's like a real gift. I didn't think about it that way. That Yeah, it's true. It, it had been a while since mm-hmm. he wrote the book, and in, it was a collaboration. I can't design an infographic to save my life, right? So yeah. I had to bring in Erica Boynton, this incredible designer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, she's one of the very few marketers I've ever met who's extremely good at both content and design. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. And um, so it was a collaboration in and of itself. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Why don't you tell our listeners what you think your superpower is? And then if you know Elijah and you want to write in and tell us if you agree, then feel yeah, free. I expect the voice of God to be like, oh, <laughs> are you kidding? Um, you know, I've, I've, We're also going to ask him what he sucks at, so just wait for that. You know, <laughs> when, we, when you interviewed Carrie, she's like, I hate this question. And like, I thought, like, it's not that hard of a question. What are you great at? But I'm like, I, I do kind of hate this question. Now that, that I'm in the hot seat, I'm like, Ugh. I'd much yeah. rather talk about what I suck at. Um, to spend a lot more time thinking about that. We have a lot of low that. ego guests. I, I don't know if that's me I just don't <laughs> like okay so I think that I'm I think of myself as a strategist more than anything else mm-hmm. having consulted with a lot of big brands like figuring out that simple question like who is the market really 
more to the point, like what can we do for this target market Mm -hmm. that would move the needle? How do we get those people's attention? Like that's the thing that I feel like I'm pretty darn good at. Mm -hmm. Good. It's a good one. Very important one. And what about the opposite? We suck at everything else. Um, (laughs) All the other things. (laughs) Yeah. There's a reason why Michael's here. Um, You know, look, I'm I'm still working on being a better leader. And I mean, like, like in the very real sense, like trying to get better at um, empowering teams, you know, understanding what people's respective strengths are and, and getting the team the most primed for success. Mm. Um, you know, from a marketing standpoint, I'm also like the, I can get in the weeds, but it's kind of a, pro- I get lost in the weeds, right? Like, um, if I'm building the website or if I'm, you know, deep in the CRM or whatever, mm-hmm. like I don't, I'm not productive in that sense. I, I, it takes me much, it takes me too long um, to dig into those things and to get them done. There are people who are just far, far more proficient. Yeah. Um, Same. Good luck to you if I'm doing your <laughs> CRM. <laughs> Probably should revisit the job spec. <laughs> there are some things where I'm like, I don't, just don't even give me the log. Just tell me what it says. Not for me. Not for me either. Okay, share with us your favorite business tool. Oh my gosh. Um, pretty sure I wrote this down. <laughs> I think I wrote the question and I don't even know what the answer is. I have your answer. What did I say? <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good answer. I literally read it and I was like, oh, oh right. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no. a good one. Yeah, because it's not technical. Like it's, it's a an whiteboard. underrated yeah. asset. I, a whiteboard. Would, yeah. If I were designed like the perfect office, it would just be all whiteboards. Yeah. Like, I mean, really everything. Every room other than windows, it would Every be whiteboards. Every room would just be whiteboards. Yeah. My wife is like, if you bring one more whiteboard home, <laughs> we're getting a divorce. Well, I made, I have an office space in my house now. And that's what happens when you leave New York is you have, well, sometimes then you have space so you Some can room. make an office. Yay. But it's still like a smallish space. So I have a whiteboard on like a quarter of the one wall and <laughs> it's, there's like this much room for me to actually put ideas and then this much room for just like love notes from people. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't possibly erase all those sweet notes. No, that would be rude. No way. No, I don't think so. But I agree. I think whiteboard's an underrated one and nobody said it yet. Yeah. Well, I think people think Tech. Tech. Right? Tech tool, um, but this is like an, it's an homage to the age of old. Uh, I, I had a client and I, I went in the office. They had whiteboards in all the conference rooms and a couple just kind of floating around. Mm-hmm. And I realized at some point, I mean, they were probably nine, not nine large whiteboards. Yeah. And I realized that on every whiteboard, I had covered every one of them. Mm-hmm. And so they were bringing in like partners and investors and stuff. And they were just sort of like everything that I put on the whiteboards, in some cases, just like, we're just winging it, you know, we're just talking about this or that. And they're referring to this as the strategy for the company going forward. That's great. Okay, great. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. That's totally what I thought was going to happen when I wrote that. <laughs> That's right. Do you think there's something that you have encountered that you were able to solve or like you had a light bulb moment and it was because of a whiteboard? Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's... It's so dramatic. Like, I, I depend on them so much. Kind of way I'm like, asking. I kind of can't think. Yeah, I need to get in front of a whiteboard. Like I'll show up at meetings, you know, with big giant the paper version or like yeah. like really heavy whiteboards. And they're mm-hmm. like, like I really need this. Like I need to be able to write all the things. And some I've I've literally stood in front of a whiteboard holding a marker and written like a giant A. <clears> yeah. 
and nothing else. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but I needed that. I don't yeah. know. That it makes no sense. It's like a security blanket. I just needed it. <laughs> just needed, needed to it. know. Yeah. I got a gift for Christmas. It's like really big pads, like massive ones yes. with no lines or grids. It's just like blank white paper, very large. And I can just yeah. go for days on my to-do list on those. And it's my favorite new it's my favorite new gift. Yeah. Michael will tell you that I've showed up to multiple meetings <laughs> yeah. with that exact same yeah. giant pad. Good. Love that. Yeah. Okay, so this is a little bit of a weird question to ask you since Uh-oh. you're the person who books all of our guests. But I'm just curious who you think we should have join us on the show. Maybe that you haven't talked to yet that you want to invite now. Yeah, so I would take that one of two ways. So one is who's our dream guest, like who would I yes. love to have on the show. Okay. And then the other one is maybe more like the type of person we'd like to have on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, dream guest, man. Who would I absolutely just, I mean, it would be, it'd be nuts if we could get John on the show. Yeah. I think, I think John's retired. Um, we meant to go to Portland for that. Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, Good we've got some, some books chickens. here. You know, Dan and Chip Heath wrote The Power of Moments and a couple yeah. others. That They're really, really amazing. Um, I would love... I figure at some point we'll have Seth. Yeah. At some point. That would be. Um, but I still have beef with Seth. That would be another amazing. story for another time. You do? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I was working on a name in a book and um, and he Which? told me and I emailed Seth. I'm like, what do you think? And he's like, you can't call it that. And that's my thing. And I'm like, dude, that's not. <laughs> All right. Listen. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Okay. Well, hi, Seth. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're awesome. <laughs> so does everyone. So maybe you want yeah. to join us on the show. And maybe John wants to come out of retirement to hang out with us for 45 minutes. It's worth an ask. Never know. Yeah. We'll bring chickens. <laughs> Lots of rubber chickens. <laughs> and what kind of people do you like to have on? You know, I think in, in preparation for the show, I've listened to just about every marketing podcast uh, book on Audible that I can find. And I find that I love love, love hearing from people who've blazed any kind of path. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's taken any new concept to market, something that wasn't already in the market, mm-hmm. um, who's taken a team and transformed it. I'm fascinated by change makers. Mm-hmm. And I would, I think that they're most interesting people to talk to. Yeah. I put you in that category. So I think we're, oh. we were so like blown away by you right away. Oh, thank you. That's very nice. I appreciate that. So if you are a change maker, know a change maker, are an aspiring change maker, then you just let us know. Elijah at teamcmo.com. Correct. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you for joining. I know it was a real inconvenience. (laughs) (laughs) Had to walk from over there. Yeah. (laughs) But I appreciate you leaving the green room and walking (laughs) over here to hang out with me for 45 minutes or so. Thank you so much. And thank you to our listeners. I hope you enjoyed hearing from the Team CMO, CMO. And again, like he said, Team CMO and the CMO show is for you. And we want to hear from you. So let us know anytime if you have guest ideas or topics that you want to hear about. If you listen to a few of the episodes, you'll start to see a theme in terms of the questions that we ask. So if there's a new one that people find interesting and want to hear more about that you think we should add to our question list, please let us know. 
and we appreciate you. That's what we've got for you today. Thank you, Kate. Thanks, Elijah. Yeah, happy to do it. <laughs>